It's time once again for this board game life. This is episode number 28, titled Gen Con Fun 2013. The show was recorded on Saturday, September 28th, 2013, in the This Board Game Life studios just outside of Chicago, Illinois. I'm Rob, your host for today. And on today's show, I'm going to be talking about Gen Con 2013. Uh, I did attend this year once again. And uh, I'm going to be talking about my experiences out there, what I saw, and uh, some of the games and goings on uh, since episode uh, 27. So sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Welcome back to another awesome episode of This Board Game Life. Before we get on with the show, I just want to let everybody know a couple of things real quick. Uh, as I mentioned on last show, I started a new YouTube channel for This Board Game Life where there's going to be all sorts of uh, cool video content up there. There's already some uh, unboxing, some quick looks, and two very in-depth video looks into uh, the game's Infection, Humanity's Last Gasp from Victory Point Games, and also Castaways, one of the latest releases from Passport Game Studios. So on those, uh, I actually went through a couple turns uh, uh, in addition. So it's kind of like how to play the game uh, as well. And uh, in particular, the Castaways one is pretty long. So I had to break that up into two episodes. So uh, I'm really excited about that stuff. There's a lot more content. Got some uh, more content that's not out there yet. And I'll be recording more and more. Also, uh, just make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get alerted uh, whenever I post new content. So very, very excited about that. And then another thing that I'm very excited about as well is that I started doing some unboxing videos for Miniature Market as well. So Miniature Market, for those of you that aren't uh, familiar with them, they're a online retailer here in the United States and uh, one of my favorite ones and also uh, probably the closest one here to Chicago since they're right down in uh, St. Louis, just a couple hours away. So uh, Miniature Market uh, has posted some of my videos. So make sure to check them out. They're all pretty short, like one to two minutes, just unboxings. Uh, some of them have video or audio uh, explanations of what's going on. Others are just strictly video. Kind of depends on, you know, what the content of the game is. And I'm trying to keep them as short as possible. Some of the more component-heavy ones don't have some audio on there. But anyway, so I'm real excited about that. You know, make sure to check them out and... Uh, that's that. So uh, also, I'll make sure to follow the Sport Game Life on Twitter. I created a Twitter account uh, a little while back. You know, trying to get some regular posts on there as well. Alrighty, so uh, let's get on with the show. So with this show here, the main thing that we want to, or at least that I want to talk about, is Gen Con. So Gen Con uh, happened uh, in the middle of August uh, in Indianapolis, Indiana. I did attend this year as well as last year. It was a lot of fun. It was a little bit different going there the second year. I kind of knew what to expect. And, you know, you're familiar with the venue and so forth. So that was really nice. It was was really nice to be able to say, hey, you know, I want to do this or do that. It it really improved the experience. A couple things about the show. First of all, this show over here broke all the records. There's more people than last year, of course. There's some debate as to the size of Gen Con and how it compares to other cons throughout the world. But uh, in, in my eyes, uh, Gen Con's awesome. 
those other cons are, are nice, like uh, Essen. You know, they're they're nice, but I don't get a chance to go to those. So uh, this is uh, the con for me, especially since it's only about four hours away. So that's uh, a definite plus. Four hours by car, not even by plane. A couple of things before uh, I kind of get into a little bit of detail on the per- different particular days and experiences that I had. But there's uh, some new FFG ships, the Star Wars ships that they had over there. Man, those things are massive. But they looked uh, they looked awesome. They looked awesome. So uh, these things are going to be kind of pricey, it seems. But uh, let's see what what were what were these ships here? Tantive for blockade runner, and the other is the Rebel transport. And wow, these things are huge. So if you thought the Millennium Falcon was big, yeah, these things uh, uh, definitely uh, outscale it. So I guess they're trying to keep these things to scale. Uh, as as much as they can, you know, there's one thing that says, you know, about playability <laughs> for these things. And both of these ships actually require two stands, which is uh, very cool. Um, and, of course, there's a much higher price tag. So 60 bucks for the Rebel Transport, and then the uh, Tantive Four is $90, so $89.95 for that one. Wow. I wonder if people are going to get a couple of those. Hmm. I think probably not. Okay, beyond that, the hotness of, of the show is probably Firefly. So this is a game uh, that was made from the TV show Firefly, and this thing just sold like hotcakes. Everybody was looking for this thing. Luckily for most people, they, it looks like they spread it out across a couple of days, so you were able to get some later on. You know, if you missed out on Thursday... You could get some, you know, a couple of days later or whatnot, but uh, Firefly is definitely the one that everybody was talking about. A couple other things, and no big surprise for this as well, the lines for some of the booths was incredible. The two biggest ones that, that I saw over there were the Privateer Press line and the FFG line. I, I can't even imagine what some of these people waited the, the lines would just go down, they'd loop around, they'd go all the way down to the wall and then go back and forth. It was just crazy. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if people waited two hours or, or more in some of these lines. Uh, one thing that was kind of neat this year is I was able to get in an hour early and experience the con a little differently this year, so that was pretty sweet where I got in, uh, I think, around 9.20, so it opens up at 10. I got in a little bit before, and I was able to go through the uh, through the uh, exhibit area and go to a couple of the booths uh, right up front. And it was <laughs> one thing that was kind of neat was I had a couple of games in mind that I wanted to pick up, and I was able to do all my shopping in about maybe 20 minutes. So I had all my booths labeled on a piece of paper of where I wanted to go and what I wanted to see. And I was able to do surgical strikes, just bam, 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 and get everything out of the way. By the time everything had opened, uh, <laughs> I was kind of ready to go. But, you know, I toughed it out and I, and I stuck, it through, stuck through it. And I was inside, uh, actually by the Privateer Press booth, when the doors opened. And I experienced something like a tidal wave of people. I was standing there talking with an, another uh, podcaster, and we were 
just chit-chatting, and then all of a sudden you hear like this rumble uh, off in a distance, and then boom, people are like running past us. It, it, was, it was something else. It was, it was just incredible. So it probably took maybe 10 seconds from the door open to people to get to us. So people were definitely uh, hightailing it through there to get to the booths that they uh, wanted to get to. The last thing I want to mention was uh, I attended the AEG event this year, and I did as well last year. And this year was actually kind of a disappointment in some respects. Last year, I thought it was a lot more interesting. This year, they had a, a lot of small games that they had put out, like uh, Maximum Throwdown, um, Agent Hunter, I believe it's called, and there was another one, um, Card of the Dead. So uh, those were... There are three little card games and, of course, trains, uh, which uh, I'll get into a little more detail uh, later on. I'd say trains was one of their uh, bigger releases at Gen Con this year. There's definitely a lot of people. It was extremely well run. They did have so many, I don't know what you'd call them, coaches or trainers over there and with the red shirts. So as far as handling the AEG event, AEG definitely gets five stars, double thumbs up, whatever you want to call it. They did an excellent job organizing this thing. They had a couple hundred of the swag boxes, and I did manage to get one of those as well. A couple of things that were in there, uh, Maximum Throwdown, some L5R stuff, and a copy of Guildhall. Oh, and you also got a, a Trains expansion map, uh, which was definitely kind of neat. Kudos to them for releasing that thing. Otherwise, it was just kind of okay. So next year, I don't know if I'll take part in this event again. I definitely kind of am thinking now that if AEG has some hot releases for that particular con, then I might do it again. But otherwise, I don't know if the time or the swag box uh, is worth it. That's pretty much about it for that. Let's, uh, let's go through and uh, I'll talk about kind of like what happened day by day. On Wednesday, uh, that was the day that I arrived uh, in Indianapolis, went over to this one area, uh, I believe, oh, my directions are kind of messed up here. It might be on the east side of the convention hall, which I think it is on the east side of the convention hall. It's over by where the food trucks are. So there's a bunch of us that kind of met up over there, and they had these cool tables over there. There were tables for eating, and uh, there were all these Catan stickers on them, Catan maps and and so forth. I, I can definitely say Mayfair did uh, a lot of advertising at the show, and it was really well done. It was I was actually kind of impressed. We basically set up over there on one of the tables, and we just started playing games, and it, it was actually awesome to just hang out there before the con and just play. There's a whole bunch of people over there. Pretty much all the tables were taken up. The I think one of the first games that we played was Bruges, so this was uh, the German or the European release of the game. So we had the paste-ups on there. But uh, regardless, it's uh, definitely you know still as easy to play as uh, the U.S. version. So we played that, and a bunch of people would come over, and they'd check the game out. Had some questions about the game. Everybody's always friendly, so you know that was definitely cool. Uh, we played Bruges, and uh, I, I really, really enjoy that game. It's... The best way I can describe that game is that it's smooth. It's just smooth and elegant. It just plays so well. 
you basically it's it's kind of like well it's a card game where you're playing down buildings and you're putting people into the buildings so it's uh i think i talked about this on a previous show some of the colors on there aren't definitely uh, very colorblind friendly but the game is awesome and uh, at least for me i don't know how any other colorblind people are but if you kind of stare at the colors you can kind of tell the difference between the different colors just based on the shade kind of looking at the back and the front definitely does help Bruges was a big hit and uh, I definitely enjoyed playing that I managed to pick up a US copy of it as well I love that game one thing that is also neat about Bruges at least the US version is that it comes with these little um, card holders so one of the problems people run into with Bruges, especially if it's sleeved, is that as you stack the cards, you shouldn't really see the cards that are underneath. So you're supposed to only draw the top card and not be influenced by what's underneath. So if you have sleeves and so forth, the cards slide around, etc. So in the US version, they've got these little card holders where you slip your decks into that and it basically holds them so you can't see underneath so it's like a little angled holder that just keeps them nice and aligned so that is definitely cool kudos to z-man for putting in something like that okay i just looked it up here on board game geek and it looks like these card holders are in the second printing of the game and the u.s printing of the game so owners of the first Printing uh, can get them for free somehow. I'm guessing uh, just contacting the publisher. So uh, that was Bruges. Uh, Definitely, definitely enjoyed that game. Uh, Heck of a lot. Then we broke out Lords of Scotland. So Lords of Scotland is an older Z-Man title. Uh, It came out a few years ago. And uh, this is one that I've had for quite some time, but I've never gotten it to the table. I really enjoyed it. It was actually kind of a a surprise it uh was definitely enjoyable everybody at the table really liked it it's definitely something that you might want to check out it's a lighter game definitely uh well a little bit better than a filler game but definitely definitely enjoyable then the next game that we played uh which wound up playing a whole bunch of times over at the con was new era and this is a a game from portal that uh, has been around also for a couple of years and it's it's really interesting where the best way i can describe it is it's almost like a board game but it's played with cards and what i mean by that is that as you play the game you're dealt a hand of cards and with these cards you're placing them in front of you and you're making a pseudo board where you'll have certain abilities, uh, you'll be able to get certain resources, uh, points, and it, it's got one of those really cool chaining effects that I really enjoy in a lot of games. And that's where you wind up having to you know, convert one thing into another and then use that over here on this card and do that and that. And it, it's just a lot of fun. You feel like you're getting a lot accomplished. And I was really surprised by this game. I, I really, really enjoyed it. 
wound up playing it a whole bunch of times, I think with two, three, and four players, and it was fun each and every time. I think uh, I didn't win any of those games, but uh, it was definitely a blast uh, each and every play. It's definitely one of those games that you have to play multiple times in order to get the strategy down, just because there's a lot of, so many like little nuances to the game where you can use other people's abilities on uh, some of their cards. You can kind of align with certain cards and it's just a heck of a lot of fun. There's so much depth to it. And I think uh, everybody that we've played it with that uh, over the couple of days of the con, everybody's enjoyed it. So uh, that was a new era. And this is one uh, that I actually wound up picking up uh, as well uh, after the con there. And then I think uh, the final game of the night was uh, Chronicle. Uh, this is uh, another card game, and I I really did poorly at this game. I really don't know what to make of it yet. Uh, I'll still play it, but right now I'm kind of, you know, 50-50 on this one. The people I know definitely seem to have fun. I, I just, I'm not sure if this is the game for me, but uh, it's definitely a, a popular game with uh, the people that I played with. After playing those, uh, I think we played about five or six games, uh, we decided to call it a night. Everybody went their separate ways and turned in. So the next day, Thursday, was the first day of the con. The doors opened at 10 o'clock, and like I said earlier, I was able to get in about 40 minutes earlier and uh, able to basically tear it up inside, get all my shopping done. I had one of those big Alderac bags that was digging into my shoulder. It's awesome to have those big Alderac bags, let me tell you this, because you can carry so much stuff in it, but that's also the problem. You load that thing up, you just cannot walk just because you're just totally off center. You know, all the games are in there all over the place. It's They're digging into your shins and your hip and who knows what else. So <laughs> having those bags is, is definitely good and bad. But, you know, being able to haul everything around was uh, a definite plus, that's for sure. What I wound up doing when I got in there is I went straight for the AEG booth where I got trains and I got my Alderac bag. And uh, I'll talk about trains a little bit more in a little bit here. So I got that. I went over by Asmodee and I picked up a copy of Spirium. So uh, that was also another one that was kind of like on most gamers lists, at least most Euro gamers. Uh, also Rise of Augustus. And a um, couple of things over at the Yellow Booth. I picked up uh, Three Little Pigs and Phantom Society. Definitely was looking forward to those two. And um, there was uh, something else. Oh, I went over by the Z-Man booth. So over at the Z-Man booth, I managed to pick up Bruges. Definitely was excited about that, uh, especially after the play the night before. And then um, I had Robinson Crusoe in my hand. And uh, I put it down, unfortunately. I was definitely excited about that. I had talked about that game for the last, I don't know, a couple of shows. I was on my game lust for the last couple of shows. But I wound up putting it down just because it was kind of expensive. And uh, everything at the con pretty much is list price. So I wound up putting it down. And then uh, when I went back over there to kind of take a peek at it again, boom, they were all gone, of course, to be expected. Looks like they didn't have too many copies of that. Okay, so that was about it uh, for the initial run-through. 
of uh, the different booths. Uh, by the way, I did uh, spend most of Saturday just walking around the hall, so I'll kind of uh, talk about that uh, when I talk about Saturday. So uh, after the doors had opened, uh, met up with some people and basically started to play games. This con for me was a lot about playing games and kind of meeting people. I didn't do the whole interview thing at all. I figured that would be something that I would do uh, maybe next year if I come back. Uh, this year, I just wanted to have fun because for me, this is, it's definitely a hobby. It's something that's fun to do, like the podcasting and so forth. is just as fun as doing the gaming. So uh, I just wanted to enjoy my time there. I didn't want to turn it into a whole lot of work or anything. So uh, one of the first things that we played was uh, Spirium. Now, this is a, a new game by William Adia where you have a number of cards that are laid out on the table and you place meeples in between them. And this is a, definitely kind of a, uh, a neat little mechanic. Uh, it's also done by um, what, Guilds of Cadwallon, I believe is the game. It's something similar to that. And you, you place your meeples in between the cards and then you basically have the ability to like activate a card uh, that's next to your, your little meeple guy. And there's three types of cards. Some of the cards are characters, some are buildings, and some are, oh, I forgot what they're called, innovations or something like that. You, you basically get to use these and you have buildings and your innovations and you build them in front of you. Uh, buildings to the right, innovations to the left off of your little center card. It's, it's a fun game. It's a fun game. I think uh, everybody that I've played it with has enjoyed it. And it's kind of like a, a new take on a card game. And I'm definitely a fan of card games, if you guys haven't figured that out, out already. So uh, Asperium was, was a definite hit, and I was very pleased uh, by getting that game. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing it again. So uh, Spirium uh, definitely hit, definitely enjoyed it. Then uh, the next one that we wound up playing is Trains. Uh, this one had a lot of buzz. It was basically a deck builder with kind of like an area control board mechanic kind of thrown into it. This had a lot of buzz. A lot of people were talking about it. It originally was released uh, in Japan. There's a Japanese version, and then AEG brought it to the States. We had a couple, uh, maybe like close to a half dozen games that we played over the course of the con. And I don't know, I'm kind of mixed on this. I'm mixed on this game for sure. So there's a deck building component. Uh, there's a lot of cards that get placed onto the table. I believe it's uh, 16 cards altogether, 16 decks altogether. There's a number of decks that are constant and then a number that are randomized. And uh, what you do is you have a starting hand and just in standard deck building format, uh, you just take your cards and you buy other cards. You know, what more can I say about that? Uh, you know, it's like a lot of other deck builders. One thing that's a little different with this one is that as you build things on the board, uh, you wind up getting waste cards. 
which basically kind of kludge up your deck. Uh, you do have you do have a mechanism to get rid of those, and uh, that's something that you definitely want to do because uh, it'll be a real big downer if you get you know a handful of waste cards. You can't do anything that turn, so that kind of stinks. So you have um, your hand of cards, and what you're looking to do is to build train routes and stations on the map. You have a starting point. Everybody kind of picks a starting point on the map, and uh, you expand out from there. Uh, there's a lot of people that really love this game. And then the groups that I kind of played it with, we were all kind of mixed on it. And I'm really wondering if, if this game is very group dependent on whether it's going to be a hit or not. And what I mean by that is there were a couple of different, I guess, strategies that were explored by people. And they kind of, I don't say ruin the game or maybe break the game is a, a better way to do it, to explain it. And uh, to give you kind of an example, one thing uh, that we had in one game was that it was a two-player game. Well, we wound up in the pretty close to each other. So as my opponent expanded through the map, I basically went into every city that he went into. And at that point, you kind of cancel each other out towards the end of the game. This, If two people are right on top of each other and they kind of all go into the same cities and, and so forth, you wind up just taking there's there's definitely not going to be a high score or a runaway leader or anything like that you're just uh going to kind of almost negate your score and uh, i really wonder if you can just negate it to where it's like a tie but uh other than that it, it's uh interesting oh and there's two different maps which is kind of nice so there's uh japan and i believe osaka was or tokyo and osaka so you're at least able to have a little bit of variability on that. And if you were part of the AEG um, uh, Big Game Night, you also got the Gen Con map, which was uh, kind of actually very well made as well. But uh, yeah, so the groups were, were kind of mixed on it. I, I can't say anybody really loved it. Uh, it's something that I want to like, but uh, future gameplays uh, will kind of dictate uh, which way that swings so right now I'm also I'm very kind of iffy on that uh, then that was trains another one that was uh, uh, very high in the interest of the group that I w was hanging out with was high command hordes this is a game from privateer press it's kind of uh, well not kind of it, it is a deck building game we played the Hordes version. There's also a uh, War Machine version of the game as well. I'm not really sure what the huge differences between the two games are in terms of uh, how the cards are. I, I know that they're set in the two different like universes. But as far as the game goes, the price point for it isn't too bad. Uh, there's a lot of interest in it, and they definitely had... They definitely had a lot of copies of this thing, so they were definitely prepared. Kudos to Privateer Press on that. And uh, we got a whole bunch of plays on in on this thing, and uh, it, it was interesting. It's uh, It's got a different kind of style to it where 
you have essentially two different types of like uh, money. One of those is command and then the other is war. So you have these cards in your hand and in order to like buy uh, other cards, uh, you, you basically use the, the war and the command of, of the cards to buy them. And it's, it's a kind of an interesting mechanic. Um, the art on these things is fantastic. I, I really like the art. Uh, the game itself was okay. My, the groups that uh, I played it with, initially I think everybody was just loving the game. They, they thought it was really, really cool, uh, really fun to play. And then I think it started just uh, you know, falling apart from there. Because it's, okay, so th this game is kind of like a combination of a deck builder with a smash-up style um, yeah, like a smash-up style uh, of gameplay where, well, hopefully you're familiar with smash-up because then this comparison will kind of fall apart. But uh, what you have is you have a number of cards that are on the table essentially as locations that people fight for. So you put your cards down and your cards have certain fighting and so forth and uh, you basically duke it out and then eventually one person... Uh, wins the location which they use for scoring and the I think the thing that a lot of people are really kind of knocking this game for is that you can kind of work the system and just annihilate everybody like there was a three-player game that I had played where the two other guys would just sit there and they duke it out and then I would just sweep in with a whole bunch of guys <laughs> and just take it from them so they would kind of like weaken each other and then the third player can just go in and you know sweep the floor with them. And uh, I wound up winning that game. <laughs> hey, all right, I won something. That's fantastic. But, um, and I gotta say that was probably my most favorite game, the one that I won. But, uh, you know, beyond that, you know, the, the locations are essentially what you're shooting for points-wise. And it just seemed kind of unbalanced just where certain people can kind of exploit the game and just rack up all the points from other people that are working hard to fight so you know, the person that kind of you know stood back a little bit and just wait a little bit you know they could get the upper hand so uh, this was the game that kind of uh, like I said earlier the the more that we played it the the less everybody enjoyed it so uh, after that uh, this was a game that i was definitely not interested in picking up but again the art on it is fantastic privateer press did a fantastic job on the art uh unfortunately the game is just okay uh again it's not something that uh, i'll find myself picking up so uh that was uh, high command hordes then uh, another one uh, from Thursday was Rise of Augustus. So this was the Essen, uh, not the Essen, the Spiel des Jahres nominee for 2013. And uh, unfortunately, it did not win. Uh, this is the game that everybody kind of labels as uh, Gamer Bingo. And uh, this is uh, this is a game that I actually kind of liked. It's, it's a very light game. This is a game that 
you could introduce to your non-gamer friends and to kind of, you know, show them like, hey, there's there's a little more interesting stuff out there than the stuff that you're probably used to and so forth, like your party games and all that. And uh, it can just kind of give them a taste into uh, something, you know, a little meatier. But uh, if, if you're a gamer like myself, it's definitely not a meaty game. It's definitely on the lighter side. And it plays pretty quick, and, and it's enjoyable. I, I really, really like this game, and I'm very uh, pleased with uh, being able to grab it over there at uh, the con. And uh, just kind of give you a, a quick rundown of this game. There's uh, these objective cards, I believe is what they're called, that get uh, placed on the table, and you wind up kind of like uh, buying them, getting them, whatever you want to call it. And you place them out in front of you. And these cards will have a number of different symbols on them. There's chariots, there's uh, shields, there's daggers, swords, a whole bunch of stuff, catapults. And uh, one person in the game will be the town crier. And they're drawing these symbols out of uh, a cloth bag that they have. And you have... Uh, these little meeples that are called legions. And so what you're doing is as these symbols get called, you're placing your legions that you have or that you've acquired because there's ways to get more. You place them on the cards that you have in front of you. Whenever you complete one of your cards, in other words, like if your card has, uh, I don't know, two chariots, a catapult, and a sword, then if you cover all four of those then you get to essentially like score that card. You've completed that card. This is where the whole gamer bingo comparison comes into play. Because, you know, in bingo, you're covering up numbers into, you know, the patterns, you know, up, down, vertical, diagonal, whatever it might be. Uh, on this one, you're just filling the board. And uh, once you run out of your legions, because you've only got a certain amount of them, once you run out of them, you're able to move them in between cards. So let's say if you've got a couple on a card that's not going anywhere, you can move those to cover up spots on a card that you'll be able to you know, complete a little quicker. So once you complete these cards, some of them give you special abilities. I don't know, like uh, they might give you another legion or uh, so let's say whenever a chariot is called, you can cover up a catapult or whatnot. As you complete these, you also can get these like uh, achievements or victory tiles. Uh, they're also in the center of the game, which are, you know, if you have a couple cards completed, let's say if you complete four cards, you can get a certain amount of victory points. Or there's color ones as well, where if you have a certain combination of colors completed, then you get points for that as well. So the, the game is uh, very enjoyable. I, I, I like it for, for what it is. Um, if you tend to like lighter games and uh, you want to have a game that's uh, easily accessible to your non-gamer friends, uh, this is something you definitely might want to check out. It's not a game for you know the hardcore people. They'll probably just pick it apart <laughs> and be bored out of their mind. But uh, I, I, I really like this game. I, I'm, I was definitely pleased with it. So that was Rise of Augustus. Uh, another game 
that wound up playing uh, towards uh, the end of the night. And uh, the, this one is kind of a, a surprise for me, and that's uh, Masquerade. Uh, this is uh, a card game uh, that was released at the con. It's kind of like Coup, where everybody has you know, like a hidden role and you're trying to you know, guess other people and so forth. And I, I found this game frustrating and kind of boring. I definitely was not a, a fan of it. Uh, the group that I played with, I think it was a seven-person game. Everybody else kind of had m- mixed thoughts on it. I don't think anybody really enjoyed it. However, uh, one of the guys wound up uh, playing it later, actually a couple weeks later, and he reported that it was a lot of fun. So I <laughs> I don't know, maybe at some point at the end of a night, everybody's burned out. And a lot of these 10, a lot of the gamers that we played with were reviewers and podcasters and so forth. Maybe we were all too critical on the game since uh, uh, one of the guys found it to be uh, a lot more fun later on. But uh, I just didn't care for it. It just wasn't fun. It's it's not my style of game. If you like Coup and uh, those style of games, you'd probably, I'd say you'd probably like it and you might want to give it a shot. But this game definitely wasn't for me. So that was Masquerade. Let's see, I think that's pretty much about it for Thursday. Um, there's a, you know, a couple of other things that were kind of thrown in there, but those are the, the, the main ones that I wanted to talk about. So after playing all those games... Uh, on Thursday, called it kind of uh, a day, and then uh, went on to Friday. So what happened Friday? More gaming, that's for sure. Uh, played a couple more games of trains. Uh, There's one I, I call it the trains incident, <laughs> which was which was really something. Um, kind of upset some of the people uh, uh, that were playing the game. So I, I was shuffling my cards. To, I was shuffling my discard pile to create a uh, you know a, a new deck, and I don't know what the heck happened, but the card slipped out of my hand and basically swept the entire board. We kind of tried to put everything <laughs> back to where it was. Uh, unfortunately, uh, later on in the game, like how'd this get over here? How'd that get over there? Uh, so that, that was interesting as uh, my little bumble for the day uh, on trains at the AEG game night. I wound up playing uh, Guildhall Job Fair. So uh, that was uh, that was kind of interesting. Uh, I'd played Guildhall. Uh, we talked about it uh, in depth on one of the shows uh, a couple shows ago. And uh, this is the expansion for Guildhall called uh, Job Fair. It looks like you can play this one on its own or you can mix it in with uh, the main game. I like Guildhall. I, I tend to like Guildhall a lot better with less people. And over at the AG Big Game Night, I played it with, uh, uh, it was a four-player game altogether. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of mixed on this. I, I like it. Uh, again, I, I'm not a fan of the four-player game. I just think it takes way too long. It's just, it just goes, <laughs> it, it overstays its welcome for me. I know there's a lot of people that like it better with the four-player game. There's a lot more interaction. Uh, For my tastes, there's just too much um, undoing of what you're doing. I I kind of don't like that. And what I mean by that is 
you'll get, uh, you know, a nice lay of cards and then boom, one person does something to you. Boom. The next person does something to you. Boom. The next person takes these things and they just kind of undid everything you did and you're kind of starting off from scratch again. But again, I know a lot of people like that kind of stuff that will take that, you know, Hey, I'm taking your cards kind of thing. But, um, other than that's enjoyable. Uh, I'd really like to play it, uh, with maybe two or three people to get a better taste of, of how the game itself is. The characters that they had in there, it's, you know, more of the same. It's just expanding on the Guildhall game. If you like Guildhall, I think you'll definitely like Job Fair. It, uh, you know, continues the game, and it's it's definitely probably uh, worth the buy if you like Guildhall. So that was a Guildhall Job Fair. Played Card of the Dead. Um, this one kind of uh, fell flat with uh, the game that we played. It was... Um, it was just okay. You're, you're basically playing uh, this card game where you get zombies, and if you get uh, too many zombies, uh, you know, then the game's over. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, Card of the Dead. This is one, I would try it again, because uh, I'm not quite sure if we just played it right. It's just uh, the AG game night, sometimes there's just too much stuff going on. I know I was doing a lot of people watching. You're looking to see what the people are doing next to you. And maybe it's not the best place to learn games, or at least for me, just because it looks like I'm easily distracted. But, uh, you know, I would definitely give it another shot and uh, and see how it goes. Um, it has some decent art. It's got cool little um, drawings of zombies and so forth. Yeah, so uh, that's Card of the Dead. Uh, another one was Agent Hunter. This one is a two-player game where you're basically playing against an opponent and you're trying to expose agents. Uh, this one I definitely did not care for. It was very basic. It's a, a very simple game, a very uh, inexpensive game, and uh, I just was, was not a fan of it. Not a fan of it whatsoever. The other two guys that we had there, my opponent, there's a guy that was watching, we were just kind of like, this is it? Wow. You know, not not fun at all. Then um, uh, after those games, uh wound up collecting the uh, AEG big uh, swag box. And I kind of mentioned what was in that. There was a lot of discussion as to what was in there. But uh, it was a trains map. So that was the Gen Con trains map, which was actually very well done. There was a copy of Guildhall in there, a copy of Maximum Throwdown, there's a lot of people playing that one as well over at uh, the big game night where you're basically throwing these cards down onto the table from up above. And uh, there's some L5R stuff, and uh, I think that was about it that was in that. So after the big game night, wound up going over to the game library where I met up with a couple people. Got to see uh, Ninja Dice. It's uh, a new game that's going to be coming out uh, in a not too distant future, uh, where it's kind of got a new take on dice, where you're rolling dice onto the table and then where they land, kind of, you know, you can do certain things if you kind of draw an imaginary line from the die over one direction and et cetera. And it looks interesting. Um, it's something that I would definitely be interested in checking out uh, further. 
still don't quite know 100% uh, too much about it, but uh, yeah, I definitely got to see that. I got to see a game of uh, Kaisame Goddess. Now, this is by the same folks that did um, uh, uh, Tanto Quarry, and it's got the same style art. Uh, this game was uh, really enjoyed by the guys that were playing. So I, I didn't play this game. I just got to see it uh, as a spectator. And uh, everybody really enjoyed it. Except uh, I think what's going to hurt this game, at least for some gamers, is just the art on it. It's got some pictures, you know, like the anime style pictures, you know, of uh, scantily uh, clad drawn ladies. And I think this is going to kind of keep some people from buying it. I know it's not a game that I can have around my house and survive. But the game, uh, everybody said, was uh, was really good. It was uh, it's a deck builder uh, that's got some new takes on how it does a couple of things. So um, you might want to check that out if you like deck builders. That's uh, Kaisame Goddess. So uh, that was pretty much about it for Friday. Uh, so let's go on to Saturday. Saturday, a uh, whole bunch of stuff. Uh, was going on. This was a day that I basically took pretty much most of the day and I walked the hall. And I was really surprised at the amount of time that it took me to walk the hall because I think I started at like 10, 30, 11 o'clock and I finished up around five, like four or five o'clock. I was just exhausted. I was exhausted. I was dehydrated. Man, it was... that was a lot of exercise for sure. I was tired, feet hurt, all that good stuff. But uh, I got to see a, a lot of stuff over there. Um, some of the more no- notable things walking in the hall is uh, Board Game Geek was over there. They were filming. There was uh, one video where you got to see me walking <laughs> behind there, kind of looking, checking everything out. I I, I kind of looked on their YouTube feed to see if I could find uh, what game it was because I, I didn't see what game it was. I I should have looked. I was more interested in their in their setup and, and so forth. But uh, they were over there. The, the Spiel guys were there uh, filming uh, as well. Again, uh, the Fantasy Flight booth had the new Star Wars figures, the two huge, huge ships. And when you see these things, you're like, holy cow, these things are massive. And, uh, you know, they have the massive price tags. Uh, to go with that. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, and there was always a line to get an FFG. Always a line. So you had to wait to get into the booth area. Then you could walk around. Then you wait in line to pay. But it looks like they kind of had that thing kind of nailed down. They also had uh, a lot of gaming tables. I can't say that they really had any huge, huge hits um, or huge releases there. They did have some early stuff like uh, the new version of Battlelore, and um, the rest was, uh, you know, stuff from from before. Uh, let's see what else. Mayfair, again, uh, I guess as always, has a huge presence over there. Huge Catan section, and uh, quite a few discount uh, titles uh, available there as well. CSI had. Uh, uh, I think a smaller area than than they did last year where you could buy a, a lot of games over there so you know some stuff that you would buy 
uh, online, you could just pick up over there at a discount, which uh, which is kind of neat. Then uh, you know, Paizo and and Privateer Press had uh, had their booths over there. You know, pretty decent lines to get in over over there for those. Privateer Press, uh, along with FFG, I think had the longest ones uh, by far, but uh, they did a pretty good job of managing those on Thursday, especially. Um, Z-Man had uh, some pretty cool stuff over there. They had uh, a really a large version of Nurashima Hex. That was cool. And then uh, for Robinson Crusoe, they had Ignacy over there. Uh, he was uh, demoing uh, his own game, which was pretty sweet. And some of the other booths that they had, uh, Asmodee had a uh, pretty nice selection of titles over there. They had ample copies of everything. Um, Yellow, uh, another company that I, I really like, they had uh, a pretty good selection of, of their games as well. They kept restocking them. Uh, Three Little Pigs was uh, definitely uh, kind of a, a surprise for me over there. I managed to snatch it up. I definitely had uh, some plays with my son on, with that one. Uh, Three Little Pigs is... It's kind of like a Yahtzee uh, geared towards children. The, um, the box is really cool. Yellow has a really, really sweet setup with boxes, you know, with that little magnetic locking thing that they have on uh, on a lot of their titles. And uh, this particular box looks like a book. So this is a new line for them. Uh, the Three Little Pigs is the, the first one, of course, in the series. And they're going to have a second one, Baba Yaga, uh, this one is not one that I'm really familiar with, but uh, it's definitely one that I'll pick up after having Three Little Pigs. So the production on the game is awesome. The box is awesome. Everything fits in there really, really well. The box looks cool. They even provide uh, a storybook version of Three Little Pigs. Uh, I don't know, not that anybody really needs to uh, read the story. I think everybody can pretty much wing it and tell the story very easily. And... Uh, one thing that was kind of weird was the version that is in their like little pamphlet book, whatever you want to call it, that comes in the game. It's a lot different than, than what I know. I don't know if it's know, the official version or maybe it's just uh, a translation, like a, a French translation from a French version or something. But uh, it, it, it was uh, very interesting. What you wind up basically doing is you're rolling dice to build the houses for the three little pigs there's straw wood and brick of course and there's three different styles of tiles there's roofs there's windows and there's doors so of course the doors go on the bottom then you can have multiple roofs i'm, I'm not multiple roofs multiple windows you can have multiple window tiles in a particular building, and then you finish off that particular one and essentially score it kind of by putting a roof on there. And you can put a roof straight on top of a door if you want a small building, or you can have a couple of uh, windows in there to make a tall building. So uh, and another kind of neat thing about it is that there's a spinner. So if somebody is, um, if somebody becomes like a, a the bad wolf or the big bad wolf for their particular turn, it's got this little spinner, which has uh, straw, wood, and brick uh, sections to it. And the person that plays the big bad wolf, they spin this thing, and then you basically 
actually let me backtrack over there. You choose a particular building that a person has and then you spin this spinner and then whatever it lands on, you basically blow that out of that building. And uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but you can have multiple uh, different types of building materials in a building. So you don't have to build an all brick building. You can have a mix of all three in a building. But the way that the game is uh, basically explained is that instead of like flicking the spinner with your finger, what you do is you blow on it. So you blow the spinner, so you're kind of blowing the, you're the big bad wolf, you know, you're blowing the building materials away. And uh, one thing that I found that's kind of interesting is with my son is when he blows on it, yeah, little kids, I think, (laughs) they're not able to blow on something without spraying it. So uh, definitely have some, if you're playing this with your kids, definitely have some Kleenex or something (laughs) nearby. Or, or don't tell them that they can blow on it. Tell them to flick it with their finger to, uh, to prevent from uh, spraying it. But uh, it's an enjoyable game. I'd definitely give it a thumbs up. If you got little kids, this game's awesome. The production on it is fantastic, and uh, it, it's definitely a, a big hit in our house. Now, uh, adults like this one too. It's not just for kids. It's not one of those where it's just a pure kitty game and you know if you're a gamer you'll be tortured to play no no it's it's definitely an enjoyable game I definitely give this one a thumbs up um so um let's see what else uh so after three little pigs i got to see the skullport uh expansion for um, lords of waterdeep uh, that thing was definitely cool. I was really surprised at how big the box is. I was not expecting such a huge box. But uh, the quality of the components looks awesome. And uh, it looks like it adds some really cool stuff to the game. Uh, this is one that I don't have yet, but I definitely, definitely uh, would uh, be interested in picking this up uh, sometime in the future. After uh, seeing Skullport, uh, the hall kind of pretty much closed up. And... Uh, so my touring of the whole area uh, came to an end and got back to gaming. So at that point, um, went and played some more New Era. Again, uh, uh, this was definitely a big hit. I got to play uh, Zularetto Dice, the oh, Zularetto the Dice game. And this was actually the U.S. version. And I'm happy to say that it's just as fun as the German version, but a lot easier to read. At least the instructions. Uh, I, I can't say there were really any changes between the two, but uh, you know everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I think we played uh, two games of this thing and uh, four player, yeah, four or five, no, four player. And uh, Zuloretto Dice definitely enjoyable. I got a couple more games in of Augustus and played a couple of games of Teach You. I had never played this before. But uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely enjoyed this game. It was uh, a lot of fun. Uh, there were s- certain points where I wasn't quite sure what uh, the. So there's these four cards, and I just could not remember what the individual cards were. But uh, the game is definitely fun, and uh, me and my buddy that I that I played with, we just annihilated the other two guys. I guess uh, we were just you know, hitting all the right cards, and it was a heck of a lot of fun. So I think that definitely uh, improved.
improved my um, my liking of the game. So winning definitely helps, that's for sure. So uh, played a whole bunch of games of Tichu. Definitely give that a thumbs up. It's a shame it's not a two-player game because uh, I definitely uh, enjoy two-player games. It's ones that I tend to uh, gravitate towards, or not two-player games, but games that can be played with two players. Then another card game that we played was uh, Shtickeln. Shtick, I believe is the proper way to say that. It's another card game where um, you, um, I guess it's kind of like a trick-taking game. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, where you have uh, a particular uh, color that is like your bad color and you're trying to get rid of your cards and score points. This was another one that I just was like not quite sure what was going on and just trying to get by. I th- thankfully, everybody was kind of easy on me. And uh, you know, in the end, I, I definitely enjoyed the game. Uh, and that was Shtickeln. I don't think there's a U.S. version of this, but uh, the uh, German version is definitely uh, playable because uh, it's all numbers and colors. So uh, definitely look into this one. It's been out for uh, some time from what I understand. And then um also played uh, a couple of games of Augustus uh, again. And uh, I think on this day we had some mixed uh, receptions to the game. But again, that was uh, hardcore gamers and so forth. You know, they they can kind of pick apart games that are simpler <laughs> or not as challenging. But uh, again, uh, I, I enjoy the game and uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. So uh, that was about it for Saturday. Uh, on Sunday, didn't go to the game hall at all. Uh, Sunday was the game that basically uh, I took off and, and headed back home. So uh, I wound up just going Wednesday through Saturday uh, over at the convention center. Um, a couple of things um, that I saw over the time, these are kind of like non-game related, were that uh, some of the food trucks are kind of like hit and miss. <laughs> There, there was one, uh, there was a pierogi one. Once I paid for everything, I was like, wow, that was kind of an expensive meal. And uh, don't get me wrong, I like pierogies, but I was not too pleased with how much it cost, and, and especially in terms of taste. There was another one that kind of, uh, I guess, messed me up a little bit. So I, I don't know if I'm going to do the whole food truck thing again. The The restaurants over there in in the whole area over there as crowded as they might be they've got some decent stuff over there so uh, you know especially if you venture a couple of blocks from the convention center there's some uh, decent eats over there and they're not jam-packed like the ones uh, right by the convention center another thing that i'd like to talk about is uh, housing over there again this year we stayed uh, away from the convention center i don't know if I really think that staying close to the convention center within walking distance is a huge bonus just in terms of being able to go to the hotel room and so forth and drop stuff off. You know, granted, dropping stuff at, at the car is okay, but it sure is nice to be able to just go back and crash and, you know, 
being able to upload content to like if you're podcasting or something like that is probably a huge plus to have something close by like that because then you don't need to wait until the end of the night or even being able to go over there and just take a nap or shower <laughs> or bathe or whatever. Uh, so I, I think in the future, if I go, I might make it more, more of a priority to stay local as opposed to uh, driving, you know, 15, 20 minutes to get to the hotel. I think, uh, I think that's about it uh, to add to that kind of stuff. All right. So uh, what are this? What, what are the games that I saw there that kind of have uh, piqued my interest a little bit? Well, first of all, is Gravwell. This is one that I kind of that I saw over there. I saw it a couple of times. I was walking through the hall and I heard a little bit about it, but I looked at it and I'm like, man, you know, this thing doesn't look like much. And it, you know, I was just I was being kind of, I guess, uh, critical of it without knowing much about it, just based on looks. But I keep hearing how people really enjoy this game. You know, I'm kind of kicking myself for not checking the game out. I'm really curious about it. I, I need to check out some reviews on it and, you know, get some more information on it. But uh, the buzz on it after the show really has me, you know, piqued my interest. Uh, another one that is kind of piqued my interest a little bit, and I saw this quickly as I was passing through uh, the booth, uh of the publisher and that's trains and stations and this is a train game but it's uh, it's itty bitty and i don't know there's just something about that that appeals to me like normally i'd be like hey you know this game has tiny components <laughs> this this kind of stinks but there, there's just something about this game that that is like really appealing to me just based on looks alone again i haven't played it I briefly uh, checked out a video, at least the beginnings of a video review that I saw online. And uh, I, I definitely want to check it out a little bit more. I believe this one had a three-player minimum, so that's kind of disappointing to me. But, uh, you know, I, I definitely want to check it out. And another one, and this is one that I kind of stayed away from on purpose, and that was Ascension, Darkness Unleashed. Now, I'm a big Ascension fan, huge Ascension fan. I uh, I really, I've loved all of them so far. And actually, the more recent ones, I, I like them even more. I really feel that uh, Stoneblade has really been kind of upping the ante with all of these, where the newer ones are more interesting than the prior ones. And I think I've mentioned that before on the last show or the show before. And so this was uh, another release that they had, uh, the latest and greatest, and I, I passed by their booth a couple of times and I would like look over there and I'd see the people playing it. And, and I just stayed away from it because I love Ascension, but there's like too much Ascension. It's, I think they're coming out with a release, what, every six months or so. And it's just too much. Uh, I've got the prior ones. I, I like them. And I don't know, I just didn't want to drop another 30 bucks or whatever it was to get another one of these or another release of it. And uh, the same thing kind of happened with Dominion. I just got kind of burned out from buying them. And Dominion, the last couple have kind of been duds for me, unlike Ascension, which I've, I've, I've loved their, their latest ones. But uh, yeah, I, I just decided not to get this one. I, I know eventually I'm going to get it. 
but uh, you know, I, I'm not going to get it at the show. They also had a whole bunch of their like promos and they got these little like jewel bags and so forth, which are kind of neat. So they definitely had a, a lot of stuff over there. And of course they had Soul Forge, which by the way is fantastic, fantastic online game. It's out for iPad and PC right now. Uh, it'll be coming out to more platforms, uh, hopefully in their future, including Android, which I would love to see uh, soon. But uh, yeah, so uh, there was uh, Ascension. I, I just kind of stayed away from it. I guess uh, that was uh, me being responsible <laughs> with the wallet, at, at least that one time, or that second time, if you count uh, uh, holding of Robinson Crusoe. So uh, yeah, there was uh, Ascension, and um, and then uh, there was there was Firefly. This is uh, a game also that uh, I, well, I didn't get to play this one. Um, I had a buddy of mine that uh, played a couple games of it. He picked it up uh, on Thursday and uh, it just got reports of being just a very long game. A lot of people liked it. Some people kind of panned it. Uh, The buzz afterwards uh, was pretty good on this game. It's something that I'd be interested in checking out. I don't think I would purchase this one. It just, I don't know, like a two, three, a three hour game uh, of this type. I just don't think it is for me. And again, that's uh, Firefly, um, which uh, came hot on the heels of Spartacus, which uh, was a game that, uh, that I thought was pretty decent. So Gale Force 9 looks like they might have a winning combination on their hands in terms of putting stuff together and getting these TV properties and, and releasing them. And uh, I believe it was at the show. I don't know. I don't think it was afterwards. Uh, it was released that their next one is going to be Sons of Anarchy. So it looks like Gale Force 9 is sticking with uh, TV properties. So Spartacus, uh, Firefly, and uh, Sons of Anarchy. We'll see how Sons of Anarchy turns out. That's pretty much it about Gen Con. Uh, very, very pleased uh, with the time that I had over there, it was a lot of fun. I don't think I got burned out on gaming. Um, definitely got tired, definitely got dehydrated. Uh, definitely uh, keep up with uh, drinking water, grab Gatorade, whatever, some sports drinks. Keep those electrolytes in check. Um, we can definitely offer up that advice for people. So um, I'd definitely love to go back next year. Don't know if that's going to happen 100%, but uh, I'll definitely keep my fingers crossed definitely uh i think next year do more in terms of coverage for everybody you know i know there's a lot of people out there that are doing coverage uh, of you know the different games and stuff like that like uh joel Edie and marco and undead viking lance uh all and uh eric teo all those guys just do a fantastic job just definitely working like crazy and uh, I definitely tip my hat to them for doing a fantastic job, at least this year and, and prior years. Uh, I don't know if I'll get anywhere near the, the level that they do, but hey, you know, uh, hearing another opinion, another voice is, is definitely cool. I don't know if you guys are anything like me. I, I just like to hear stuff from different sources, even if it's the same opinion. I just like to hear different people and chime in on uh, on different things. And, you know, another opinion is, is definitely uh, welcome. So that was Gen Con, Gen Con 2013. All right, so on episode 
27, we had a question of the show where I had asked if what had happened with uh, that Kickstarter failure, the $122,000 failure uh, of the doom that came to Atlantic City, I believe it was, uh, which subsequently got rescued by Cryptozoic, if what had happened with that game if it was going to change people's opinions or buying habits or pledging habits with Kickstarter. So we got a a bunch of responses to that. It has solidified my stance to back only reputable companies who have already delivered a product in the past. So that's, that's kind of interesting. You know, even though it's not a sure thing, if a company has, you know, gone through the Kickstarter process before, at least multiple times, you would think that they've got a, you know, a better chance of you know following through with uh, with the product. You know, it's again, it's not a sure thing, but uh, it, it's the possibility of it going through is is better on that. Uh, another person writes in: I'm still willing to bet my money on promising yet untested talent. I love Kickstarter. Uh, another person writes in: I wasn't happy with my. Uh, early pledges, so I've been more careful and happier with the platform. Well, that, that's definitely also interesting. So if you're more careful, chances are, let's say if you don't back everything that you see, if you're more choosy, you could possibly be happier with with um, the product because you'll make better decisions and get better games. Who knows? This is a very cool response here. I really like this one. I go with the same rules for backing that I use for buying games in a store. If it's over $75, I only get it if there's a recommendation. I wish I would have known that a long time ago. I could have saved myself some money. But uh, that's actually an interesting uh, decision process there. So if it's a more expensive game, you really need recommendations. Uh, in order to to go ahead with the purchase, if it's a cheaper game, I guess it's it's easier to um, to deal with it being a dud or, or not coming through. And the last one here is uh, luckily the story has a slightly happy ending, but I've never been a wild backer in the first place. Don't back ooh shiny. Yes, uh, it's really easy to get kind of stuck on a bandwagon, I guess, of where. You know, everybody's like, ooh, look at that, look at that. And then everybody's just jumping, you know, clicking pledge, pledge, pledge. But, you know, it looks like uh, with all the responses that we had, it didn't really change people's perceptions at all of Kickstarter. I think uh, this whole thing that happened is largely gone forgotten. Okay, so that's it for the question of the show. Okay, so that concludes... Episode 28 of This Board Game Life. Uh, This was, I guess, the Gen Con special show. I pretty much spent the whole time talking about uh, the happenings and the games of Gen Con. The next show is going to go back to the regular format and uh, probably be talking about uh, some of the latest stuff that's been going on with the YouTube channel as well. So, uh, you know, let me just say it again. Check out the YouTube channel, This Board Game Life. And uh, also uh, make sure to follow uh, this board game life on Twitter. It's T Board Game Life. Uh, that's the name here. So this did not fit in there. So it's T Board Game Life. 
follow us uh, on Twitter. And then uh, also check out the website, thisboardgamelife.com, where it's got uh, all of the episode information, show notes. Uh, It's also got uh, the video information as well. And I've also made a geek list as well. The geek list has uh, video information, just some like cool, I guess, show notes and, you know, behind the scenes information as I've done the different videos. So I, I think that's very cool and interesting, and you guys might want to check that out. And also, there's the the Sport Game Life Guild. If you are not a member of the guild, please join. That's about it. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Again, uh, uh, this was Board Game Life, episode number 28. My name is Rob, and uh, see you all next time. <laughs>